So I, I got it over here. Oh, are you recording? Yes. Great. So we're learning L'schus and L'refua Shulema of Nechama Baracha Basichiyelo. And we are having our weekly halacha class and we're trying to balance it between the laws that we are learning. We're learning now about the laws of prayer, of davening. We, we finished learning the laws of a Beis HaKnesses. Last week we spoke about um, lighting candles. It was a very beautiful idea of Hadlakas Neirais, whether it is for Shabbos, whether it is in a shul. And now we're going to go into davening proper. And Behagdama, being that we're learning right after Shavuos, so one of the uh, participants of the class mentioned how beautiful was the experience in Yerushalayim at HaKodesh. And I want to speak a little bit about that. And, and I would like to begin from the following angle. I'm going to share with you a very difficult question. Some people are not bothered by these questions, but if you will live in this world, it's a question that, that should be very difficult to answer. And as an intro to the question, last week we spoke about there are certain inherent um, tensions. It's good to be aware of it. We spoke last week that God is saying, I am. The world is shouting, I am. And it's mamash machloikis. You know, people say, I'm anxious. There is certain inherent tensions, anxiety, and if it's managed properly, they're needed. They're needed because life is actually where the tension is. The ultimate release of tension is what we call death, mamash. So, you know, the body goes back to where it belongs, then Hashem goes back to where it belongs, everyone is at home, but we call that death, and we call that death because we want to live. Life is because two opposites are coming together, there's a body, there's an Hashemah, and they are struggling with each other, and in that struggle is where life happens. That's a big, a big statement. Whenever people feel overwhelmed by, by the awareness that they're being tugged in opposite directions, Obviously, too much is not good. But to appreciate the value of it. Our goal is not to remove that. No, our, our goal is to manage it better. Maybe to take away the extremes, or maybe to become bigger people, to handle bigger extremes, any way you want to word it. But first to appreciate certain existential um, tension. So I want to speak about another imamish existential machlekes. In Yiddishkeit, before we come to my, to the question. How would you define existential? It means it's so deep, it's not an external thing. It's not like, oh, my, my son wants me to go help him here, my daughter wants me to help her there. That's not existential. It's attention, you have to know how to manage that, you don't want to show favoritism, but it, it, it's not gonna, it should not take your neshama out. If it's taking your neshama out because there's a much deeper thing going on and that's just triggering it. In the holy tongue. It's something that, that, that is very deep. There are certain tensions that go to the core of creation. God, world. Which one is it? <coughs> this is a big issue. And we have to figure out how to manage it. We're never going to resolve it. We're not meant to resolve Resolving it is death. We're, we, we are meant to understand the tension, how it's manifesting in almost every part of our lives, and then to manage it and to use that tension as a 
power to go forward. Because tension could give us power to go forward. Good anxiety gives us power to go forward. Good fear, all of the emotional disturbances that people think they want to be freed of, they don't want to be freed of it. They want to, they want to learn how to use it. Okay, so coming over here. Here's the big, the big existential machloikis when it comes to Yiddishkeit. The body of Yiddishkeit and the soul of Yiddishkeit. Very much like the world and God. They are at odds. Each one is saying, I am. God says, Onoichi. The table is saying, Onoichi. Try, hit your head against the table. It's going to get a bump. Why? Because the table is saying, I am. There's no room for you. God is saying, no, I am. There's room for everything. Who's right? They're both right. In Yiddishkeit, you have halacha and you have Kabbalah. You have the outer, the inner, the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. And they are mamish fighting the whole time. Good fight. And whenever you'll hear from a person that, ooh, that mitzvah is not working for me, it's one of the two. Either that's a person that by nature gravitates towards the structure of halacha. Some people need that. We all need that. Some people need it more than others. And there's a seder and there's boundaries and it's geschmack. I know the beginning, I know the end. You know, sometimes you go to a shul and they just don't take Shabbos out. Shabbos is out 8.27. Some shuls, if it's 8.28, there's already a fight. <coughs> Mamish. Okay, that's already Meshuggah, but if it's a quarter to nine, at nine o'clock, people get upset. And you ask them, why are you getting upset? What are you doing? You're going to go home and do what? You know you're going to do nothing of significance. So what do you care? Because, because no, it's not, they're right. They're right to be upset because people need the boundary. There's the beginning of Shabbos and there's the end of Shabbos. If you want to fabrink the whole night, don't mix Shabbos into it. Boundaries. The spirit hates boundaries. It's almost like we, God made boundaries for the spirit to be able to break free. And look at the world today. The world today understands tragically freedom as no boundaries. So people are going nuts. I don't think there was ever a time that people were in so much pain as people are in today. And the older generation, you normal people, don't understand it. And it's, it's scary because younger people, this is both not gender related, men and women, have so much tsar. So much what? Pain. Oh. Like it's, it's mad. It's not a minority. It's the majority of the people. I don't care what homes they come from. And, and people say, what are you talking about? I went through hunger. I went through real tzadahs. I went through health issues. I went through this. I, w- I went through things that, objectively speaking, should be anguish. And I managed. So why can't I inspire you to manage what? And these are, it doesn't matter how privileged the person is. It has nothing to do with that. There's a lot of tzad in part, in part, because somewhere everyone is learning the lie, the sheker, that freedom means no boundaries. When a person lives in no boundaries, chaos. And they need a boundary to break. So you see society, they're breaking boundaries that no one ever broke in the past. But since that boundary, when broken, is just a norm, of course, so they're not even getting the satisfaction of breaking a boundary. At least give them that uh, satisfaction. When I was in yeshiva, they made up so many rules that were so nadish. I know they made the rules for us to have what to break and still to be within the normal boundaries. 
So the big thing was we used to break into the kitchen at night and we used to make scrambled eggs. And I know for sure that the staff, they were so happy they were getting nachas. And they would come out and they would tell us, how dare you do that? What did they do? They created the boundary. People need to bake boundaries. So why should we be struggling with a boundary that has to be kept? Let's struggle with the... For me, it worked. It was very good. And sometimes, I'm not saying that we should make too many boundaries. Some people don't, they can't take it. But you have to have, halach is boundaries. It's just one big boundary. Boundary, 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 boundary. Another thing, Stam, I think that when it comes to parenting, if we have a fruma home, I think don't put any more boundaries. Genuk, vifal is ashir. And uh, bedtime, and uh, this time. I think, no, 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 I keep the mitzvahs. I went that way. For my kids, it worked. At least I think it worked very subjectively. Because they have enough boundaries. Don't add, then add. The goyim don't have the trader, they need all these boundaries. When it comes to eating, they already have kashrus. Don't add more boundaries. We were supposed to be healthy. I mean, I think we're healthy, a good role modeling. Baruch Hashem, my kids, they eat healthy. But the over, like there's so many rules, adding and adding and adding, ad masai. So we need boundaries, but there's a limit to the boundaries. And the spirit, the spirit wants to be free. The spirit wants to be free. And that's a machlaikas. That's a machlaikas. So you look at some people, when they become frum, they gravitate towards groups that celebrate halacha. I'm saying this as a compliment, and they can't get enough of it. And they learn halacha Shabbos, and they smile from ear to ear. And they're being told, they're going mad. When you take your socks out of the drawer, don't take this sock, take that sock. And they're so happy. And other people learn this, they say, I can't take, I can't breathe. But this is what God wants from me. I thought God wants me, you know, to be connected and to daven and to dance. And God wants both, but how can God want both? It's like, it's almost like it's like two, it's two Yiddish guides. And that's attention, and attention is meant to be there. Having said all of, the, all of this, I'm coming to a question. And it's a good question. We have 613 commandments. Some of them, people, Pasha, don't know. There's a commandment that's called loy se oineinu. It's written a few times. The word se oineinu is ayin vav nun nun vav. Oinen, oinen not with an aleph. Oinen with an aleph means someone who's in mourning. Oineinu ayin vav nun nun vav. The pshat means, listen, it's a biblical commandment. Don't connect your activities to a good time or to a bad time. So it's vaguely translated as superstitions, but it's not superstition. It's this specific way of being that, oh, Tuesday is a good day, and I'll move. Monday is not a good day, I won't move. It doesn't matter where these good or bad associations are coming from, even if they are tighter related. Halacha says that anyone that will either do something, anything, or not do something because of the time... Oina, oina means a time. Ayin vav nun hei. That word is used in, in the laws of marriage, in other oina. Don't connect your activities to a specific time. Now, of course, Shabbos, God made that time. Oh, it's, I can't do work on Shabbos, that God told me. But again, other than I could do or I can do related to the other commandments, don't associate your behavior based on time. I want you to know that I'll pick Kabbalah Everything is connected to time. The whole Kabbalah is based to know what's the energy of the day and what's the energy of the night. And really every hour is another manifestation of a different combination of God's name. These are not mystical words. These are people that would actually, 
um, there's so much in the, in the hidden part of the Torah that is time-related. And people get confused. People say, am I or am I not allowed? Is it correct for me to say that, like, we don't say Tehillim until midnight. Do you know that? Unless someone is very sick. From when it's dark until Halachit midnight, we don't, we don't really, we don't, we don't read Tanakh, which includes Tehillim. Someone is very sick, I'll pick up all you don't do that. Because it's the time of Din. Midnight is the time of Rachamim. You might as well, you might as well ask for God, for Rachamim, when God, so to say, is already manifesting in a more compassionate way, in a more Rachmanistic way. And I can go on about this. And people want to understand which one is correct. This is almost like a stira. You're not going to find another area where we are being told in Kabbalah to do something that halachically we are told we're not allowed to. And this is not a little thing. This is not a rabbinic law. This is a biblical law. I know one thing. I know when people would ask the Rebbe, moving, should I move that day? The Rebbe would always respond yes. And the Rebbe would find something in the Torah why that day is special. So Taka Tuesday is special because God said twice, it's good. Wednesday is special because God created the luminaries. Thursday is special because God, the Rebbe would find in every day and every time something in the Torah that speaks about, wow, this time is the best time. Like for the Rebbe, every yomtiv was the greatest yomtiv. It's like you tell every kid, you're the best kid. It doesn't mean the other kid, the other kid is also the best kid. But everyone has something special and Taka, they are the best, they are the most special. Every time has something special. People don't know that the Rebbe, the Rebbe would never tell a person, oh, push, don't move on Monday, move on Tuesday. Why? Because Tuesday is Pamayim Kitoit. The Rebbe never did that. You're not allowed to do that. Pihala. But the question is, are we supposed to align ourselves with the Ruach of the time? Or are we supposed to do whatever we need to do by ignoring that part of reality? Which one is it? And how do you resolve this? Just to quickly recap, Shoshana, because I know you'll appreciate it's okay, that loisa oinenu, God says, don't associate your behaviors with a specific time. By saying, this is a good time, I'll do it. That's a bad time and I won't do it. We're not allowed to do that. Al pikabola, it sounds like we're doing it the whole time. We learn al pikabola, the ruach of the time, and we try to go with the flow. Like, why would you go against the flow? If I have to go from here to there, and I know that the waves are going in that direction, but in two hours the waves are going opposite direction, I can flow, I can swim against the waves. But why be a chacham? Why waste that energy? Go with the flow when you could. It's one or the other, and they have to be reconciled. They have to be reconciled. Okay, I'm going to leave this question open. We're going to learn a few halachas, and then we're going to come back to this topic. The halacha of the week is about the time of prayer. The time of prayer. Time of prayer means that halachically, the prayers that we are to recite may only be recited in a certain time frame. Not prior, not post. Halachically. And you know what? If they were recited prior or post, it's mamish like taking God's name in vain. It's not lechatchila. It's b'tiyevet. It is essential. Allah's. And we're speaking about the structure of Yiddishkeit, not the spirit of. So, Zman Tfila Shachris, the time of davening the morning prayers, which, by the way, men and women are equally obligated. 
ideal, ideal, to start it with sunrise. Ideal. Whenever a minion of men is formed, aiming to start the Shemona Esther with sunrise, they call that minion Vasikin. I don't know if you heard that expression. Minion Vasikin. People that are diligent, they get up early. And it doesn't begin at any specific time because sunrise changes every day. So let's say you know that in your Chevre, from the beginning of davening until Shemona Esrei, let's just say it takes 20 minutes or 25 minutes. I, I don't mean daven slower, daven quicker. It's not about, if I know it's going to take me from the beginning until Shemona Esrei, let's say 25 minutes. So they change the beginning time of davening every day. Mamish. No, it's when the sunrise today, I don't know, 7 o'clock. So we're starting davening 6.35. And, and, they, and, they, and they go up and they go down in winter and summer. And don't ask how many people go to work, thank God. And uh, it's very difficult when people go to work to do this if they have to be at work at 8 o'clock or at 8.30. And they have to drive an hour. So we could daven before sunrise. From when could we daven? So just to know how logically there, there are a couple of um, demarked times. Demarked times meaning that the transition from night to day, which is the redemption, is not immediate. Like the transition from day to night. It's not immediate. It would be too much for us to handle. We are meant to live in the night and we're meant to live in the light and in the dark. But the flow of God, even though sometimes we don't see it that way, sometimes people hold on to the light so much, they only deal with the dark when it's slapping them in their face. And it's very difficult because then they went from good to bad. Oh, but really, if they look back, no, it began. This was something my mazel turned to the south, if you want to say it that way. It didn't happen in one day. This went and then that and then the other. Well, we're supposed to live some of our lives in the dark, but God is weaning us into the dark. So I'm not going to go in from day to night, which is sad, but let's go from the good, from night to day, which is where we're at in history. We're going out of the night into the day. We're going out of the night into the day. It's not dark and light. So there's step number one in halacha. The first phase of mourning is called alois hashachar. The morning star, the crack of dawn, these are different, uh, not precise, not precise um, translations. I want you to know that Alois HaShachar, something almost, almost impossible to experience. You won't notice any change. It's very subtle, which is also good to know. That when things start getting good, they probably started to get good even before you noticed. To be open to that. In other words, even if your assessment of what is is accurate, that was what is until now. What's starting now, you don't know. And the Alois HaShachet is the beginning of a new phase and you cannot notice it. After Amud HaShachar, or Alois HaShachar, the next phase is called that the eastern horizon is starting to get light. It's starting to get light. Eastern horizon means that if you're facing the western horizon, it's dark. Also, it's also amazing. In other words, what is depends what direction you're facing. And we all know that. This is something that manifests physically, which is beautiful. If you're facing the eastern horizon, it's light. If you're going to face the western horizon, it's dark. If one is going to put east as the future, 
if and west the past, which is not wrong, which is not wrong, if east represents the future and west represents the past, then that's a very good concept that even when the past is not good, the future is. And sometimes you got to face the right direction to do the right thing for yourself and for the people around you. After the next phase, the third phase, the next phase is um, sunrise. I know in every phase there's different halachic questions. Is sunrise when the top of the sun is above the horizon? Is sunrise when the entire ball of the sun is above the horizon? But sunrise. And there's a huge change. Pre-sunrise, post-sunrise, even though it's very light right before sunrise. It's another step. Like the redemption. Like we entered the, the, the messianic era even before the sunrise. To see that. And then what? Oh. So now we have, in the context of the times of prayer, in the context of Shema, there's another fourth time. But in the context of Zman, of Tefillah, you know when the next line is in time? The end of the fourth hour of the day. Let me tell you what I mean. You take the day beginning with sunrise, ending at sunset. It's not the same every day, right? During spring and during fall, by the equinox, it's 12 and 12. But during summer, in the north of the world, you can have very long days. And people in Russia, people in Europe now, based in London, I don't know, they take out Shabbos 11 o'clock. They fast Tish above, there's no end. There's no end. I don't know, they mamish, it's very difficult. The day ends very late. So the night is very little. Some places even more in Russia, I know they used to, maybe two hours, three hours of dark. Whatever, whatever that time is divided by 12, divided by 12. And beginning from sunrise, at four such seasonal hours. Seasonal means not on the clock. And the halachic term. So the, the end of the fourth hour is a zman. And you're supposed to conclude Shmoina Esrei by the end of the fourth hour. You're supposed to conclude Shmona Esrei by the end of the fourth hour. These are halachic terms. L'chatchila, you're supposed to start by sunrise. If you cannot start by sunrise, start even from the Alois HaShachar, if you have to. I'm not talking about for men, for talus and tefillin, that's another topic, but Shmona Esrei, if you're going on a trip, some people would prefer to daven in the calm of their home, if that works for you. So, you know, if you have to leave to the airport and it's, Alois HaShachar, you can look in your Zmanim app, then daven, you can daven, daven Shmona Esrei. You can daven on the plane, you can daven on the road. I know some people would daven with more kavana there. You can't daven before, and you're not allowed to daven. You, you ideally should not daven after the end of the fourth hour. There are some who say that bidyeved, you can daven until midday. Okay, that's, I'm not going to focus on that. So the fourth hour from sunrise? Yes. And every luach has a little bit of a different number because you have to know when the sunrise begins. Is it from the beginning of the sun? Is it in the middle? Is it at the end? So you have all these different luachs, but it's more or less going to be at the same time. Now here's the kasha. Okay, same thing. We're speaking about that there is an existential tug-of-war between the spirit of Yiddishkeit and the law of Yiddishkeit. How can you do such a thing? 
How can you legislate the time of davening? Now, if davening is called service of heart, which that is what davening is, right? Davening more than almost all other mitzvahs. If you do a mitzvah, if when you lit the Shabbos candles, you had no kavana, you were thinking about whatever, you mamish did the mitzvah, 100%. If you davened without involving your inner emotions while you're saying the words, you did nothing halachically. If a person davened and they were not thinking about God when they're davening, they did not do the mitzvah at all. They don't repeat it because who says you're going to think about God the second time around? And every time you say those words without it being the mitzvah, you're taking God's name in vain. Mamish. How crazy is that? What's tefillah is called avodah shabalev. Halachically, avodah shabalev means the service of the heart, which means that it's supplications. Supplications means you're speaking from your heart. We don't connect to God by saying words to Him if our hearts are not in, invested in those words. Learning is different. Learning is different. Right? When you call up uh, information, all, all of the recordings on the machine today, there's no heart. You're speaking to a machine. They're letting you know. If, you want, if you're making an appointment, dial one. If you want to go to this doctor and they're talking to you and you're talking back and you're getting all the inf information, does not need heart. It has to be clear. The clearer, the better. But avoid the davening. It's not about the mind. It's about the heart. And you have to invest your emotions. How can you demand of a person to connect emotionally to God at a specific time? How do you explain it? So first of all, is time more inducive? That was our first question. Like time being more inducive, do we follow that? Do we not follow that? I think also just setting something important to you, set a time for it. And so it's not, it's not a better idea to just be like, oh, I'll wait till I'm inspired. Like anyone who does any creative endeavor knows you can't wait till you're inspired. You have to start doing it. And the more consistent you are, the more consistent. Well, I'm not an artist, but I would say that some people tell me that it doesn't work that way for them. That if they, if they are writing a book and they say, I'm going to write it from 8 to this, from 8 to 4, they don't do it. But if they give themselves the freedom, depends on the person. Okay, not so question. See, the machloikas. No, no, no. I, know I have to be inspired. I'll do it whenever I'm inspired. In the long run, some people are more matzliach. The answer is generally that's an amateur perspective. Could be. Okay, I'm not an expert. I don't have that. Yeah. So the answer was in the beginning of the class when you say, it has to be in the paradox. It has to be. In the oh, so, oh, 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 oh. But I want to say it like this. I want to add one more concept. This is a good concept. Let's understand prayer as, as the connection of man and God. And let's understand in that perspective that most of human endeavor, most of what we're doing is connecting. Or we are aware that we are disconnected, or we are involved in the endeavor of connecting. And listen to this concept. When people think about, oh, I want to connect, what are they what they, are, what they are looking at, what they are seeing, when you speak about wanting to connect, what are you looking at? You're looking at the goal, right? You're looking at the connection, right? You have a child and you want the child to feel, you want to connect, connect. You're looking at the connection. No, don't look at that. That's, that's, that's not seeing it correctly. The goal of connection has everything to do with where both parties are coming from. If you don't see that, then you're missing the whole connection. 
Connecting is not about connecting. Connecting is two things that are coming from different places are connecting. It's a whole different type of connection. And the farther the two parties are apart, the deeper is the connection. It's a whole different type of connection. This is not just quality. This is quantity. This is toichen. This is it's a whole different connection. Two things that are like and they connect, that's nice. Two things that are not like that connect, that's wow. The ultimate connection is man and God. Man meaning human being and God, like wow. Because you don't have two greater opposites than a, than a created person and God. Now, you can say a stone, I know that, but a stone is unable to connect to God. We connect the stone to God. And a chanami. So the holiest article in the world were the tablets, were the luchais. What were the luchais? A stone, and not just a stone, a stone of a lot of financial value. The most expensive stone at the time was sapphire. What sapphire was then was but diamonds. Diamonds are, were made by the beers. I don't know exactly how they made a diamond into a diamond, then we all got into the diamond thing. But the I'll bears? The bears, right? They, they, they. B-E-E-R-S from South America. South, South Africans. South Africans. However, 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 I don't know. I'm not, okay, I take that back. It's not Negev. Alpito, just to know what a diamond is today, is sapphire. Sapphire, much more than gold, much more than gold. If you want to think about something that represents Gashmi, let's say money, not gold, sapphire. So the ultimate connection was that a sapphire, not a little sapphire, a sapphire that you cannot, ring, you cannot put it on your finger, a, a, a big, big, that, that the Ten Commandments was in the sapphire. That's the biggest connection. But, but the sapphire did not do it on its own even though it did in the first tablets and it didn't work out. That's the beauty of the second tablets, that, that we were involved in it. But let us speak about man, that man and God, the connection between man and God is meaningful, dafke because we are coming from two opposite places. That's not the chiddush of the connection, that's the whole vart of Hasidus. That the reason why we're here, I want to go back to your comment about Israel, I'm going to come back all that to that. It's very important to understand that. The connection isn't just about the connection. The, if, if the goal is connection, the connection is not about the connection. If you don't have context, you miss the whole connection. When you see two, when you see the story that this person is coming from here and that person is coming from there, and you appreciate how distant they are, that is what makes the connection. Ooh, a chiddush. It's a whole different type of connection. So you're saying a Jew in America? I'm saying first a, a human being and God. And I'm saying within the person, what part of our connection is more meaningful? Not the connection between the godly and God. No. The, the connection between the animal and God within the person. That is the, that's a whole, that, that is the chiddush. That's the beauty. And the That's why a carbon was made out of an animal, not a human sacrifice. Not because it's cruel. I'm not, <laughs> because if the idea would be to connect a godly thing with God, then there would be a, 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 a human sacrifice. God forbid. I mean, if that's what God would have wanted, that's what God, God is the boss. God wants the animal. The lower part connecting to God is a whole different type of connection. Okay. So now understand the following. If we would only connect to God when we are in a certain emotional space, then the connection would be limited the connection is the same. The connection is the same. 
what changes at different times is that you, that I, am in a different emotional place at different times. A person is in an emotional place at night, it affects us. And you are in a different emotional place during the day. It's different. You're in a different place. The fact that God wants me to daven during the day and during the night, at least during the night, women are not obligated, but let's speak about, or when women have to daven, they have to daven in the earlier part of the day and not in the latter part of the day. Why? Because it's where you're coming from. When we say Alpi Halacha, I'm not allowed to modify my behavior based on the time. Like Lamashal, if I'm going to move, I'm not allowed to say, I'm not going to move on Monday because Monday is a bad day, Tuesday, it's, I'm violating a commandment in the Torah. But Monday, I'm in one space, and Tuesday, I'm in a different space. And I have to acknowledge that whenever it is that I'm doing what I'm doing, I have to know where I'm coming from. Where I'm coming from is Mamish part of it. So Alpi Kabbalah, we are told, what is the feeling of day, what's the feeling at night? We have that. We're just not aware of it enough. We have to know where we are at to better appreciate the connection that we're making whenever it is that we're making it. So what's the limit on pushing where you're coming from? Like living in outside Israel, for instance, or coming from the darkest part of the night, right? Coming from the darkest part of the night and Dafka going from the darkest part of the night. And then we spoke last week about like the Jewish home being like a place of kedusha. So it's almost it's almost opposites. Like, are, are we supposed to be coming from so much darkness? Are we supposed to be attaching to darkness in order to have a more radical connection? I want to answer the question with this Montfield. I think this is the best answer to your question. Right. The fact that we have to daven chakras within those four hours. And God knows that we, normal human beings, will never be in the same place during those four hours. Sometimes you're going to be at home, sometimes you're going to be traveling, sometimes you're going to be in the street, sometimes you're going to be in shul. And no matter where you are at, you have to daven at that time, which means you have to daven from whichever emotional place you are at. Connect to God when you are in your light, connect to God when you are in your dark, connect to, house, connect to God when you're in your house, connect to God when you're in the street. That's the whole point. What changes with time is that I'm not in the right place. That's exactly what God wants. God doesn't want for you to connect to Him when you are in that place. Even though it's easier for you, God wants you to connect to Him from, which, from all places. It's, a, it's as if if you take time and you make it into space. Imagine God would tell me He wants to hear your words when you are in every uh, city in the world. I want you to say the 12th sukkim. I gotta go, how cool. I want you to go to every city in the world. Now you have yourself a 10-year mission. And from every place, cry out, Shema Yisrael Hashem Hashem It sounds cool. That's exactly what God wants from us when He tells us, I want you to daven every day during the first four hours of your day. When God really knows that every day of your life, you will be in a different emotional place during the first four hours of the day. Ideally, I want you to daven at sunrise. Every day you're not going to be, you're going to be bagashmi, you're going to be in the same chair. It means nothing. Mamash, we are in a different place every time of the day. And we are connected to the time. The time changes our feelings. It's not allowed to change our behavior because our behavior, which is the mitzvah, has to be done from every place. No matter where you are at, turn and talk to God. I, sometimes you're going to be, you're going to experience 
um, a feeling of rejection from God, and you're just human, and you're going to reciprocate in kind, talk it out. Tell them just that. Sometimes you're going to be, wow, I'm so grateful. Tell them that. Sometimes you're going to feel uninspired, and you're going to be frustrated that you are uninspired. Tell God that frustration. Or if a person is so dead that they're not even, doesn't even bother them that they're dead, tell God that. God wants to hear from you from every single place. And that's the resolution. So when we're speaking about many, many groups of Yidin really advocate, and they're not wrong, they're right. Move to Israel. Go move to Eretz Yisrael. Because that is our future. Yes, that's our future. Because that's holy and this is not holy. Emes. The Rebbe didn't take that opinion. The Rebbe didn't take that opinion because the Rebbe understands that what's needed is for every place in the world to cry out, to shout out, Shema Yisrael Hashem Alekeinu Hashem Echad. And every place in the world means that I don't have to look to be in the darkest place. But if I find myself living where everyone lives as a klau, the Rebbe told people to stay where they are. Down to the house that they live in. Unless a family is growing, you have to move a house. The Rebbe was always did as approach. The Rebbe made exceptions. You are where you are. Why do you think you're there? God wants you to be there. Why are you going? I there is better. There is better. Who says God wants you to live in the better? The connection is easier from the better. But again, it's where you're coming from is what makes the connection a whole different type of connection. And there's no greater mitzvah where this is incorporated in Jewish law than telling a person, you have to daven during that time of the day. And almost down to the sunrise. That's ideal. Come on, every day I'm going to be in a different place, sunrise. Not begashmi, it's That's the whole point. Like this God gets a new connection for me every day. Not when I feel here, I'll daven. Then I'm only davening from here. It's like saying only connect to God in Yerushalayim. And of course in Yerushalayim, the neshama comes out. The neshama is more revealed, 100%. So we experience a more meaningful connection from our perspective. God has a much greater nachas when he hears us davening from a place of darkness. I'm not saying people in Israel should, God forbid, move here. They should not. They're not allowed to do that. But if you are already here, the Rebbe, as a rule, held, hold your ground. And make your place as holy as you could, or using our words, elevate your place from where it is and have that connect to God. And that's the beauty. And that's the beauty. You know, there was a Naftali, Rabbi Naftali, it's such a good insight. It says that Mamashiach will come, that there's going to be this long sounding of the Shafer. What's a long sounding of the Shafer? Like, how long? How, how long do you think it's going to sound? So he said like this, he says that he didn't live all around the world. And especially since the Rebbe advocated for us to go Muftzayim, so on Rosh Hashanah, what are Lubavitcher people doing? We're not just blowing Shoifer and Shul, which is beautiful. We're going out there and we're blowing Shoifer to as many people as we could. So he claims that if you would be able to hear what God is hearing, he thinks that for the entirety of the 48 hours of Rosh Hashanah, there's one Lubavitcher someplace in the world blowing the Shoifer. First of all, the world has different time zones. And even in this time zone, like here in LA, when do people blow the shayfet? More or less between, I don't know, when people have in shachris. No one blows the shayfet in the afternoon. I'm um, saying people are doing it. So imagine if you would see what's happening at the whole world, that's the tkav of God. 
that, that the whole time of Shoefer, the soundings of the Shoefer are coming out from every single time of Rosh Hashanah. How beautiful is that? And the soundings of the Shoefer are coming from every place in the world. How beautiful is that? You know, there was, you know, beautiful, there were two Bachman that went on Merkish and they went to Alaska, some Yehupit's place, I forgot what it's called in Alaska. This was when I was in Yeshiva. This was enlightened people. This, you see how God speaks through people. And they were looking for Jews. They went to this village and there was no Jews there. There was no Jews there. So they went to the local elementary school and they, they're roving rabbis. And they said they would like to speak to the students there. They're there. But when they began speaking, they asked, is anyone Jewish? So an eight-year-old girl picked up her hand and she says, yeah, my mom and I are Jewish. The mom was a teacher in the elementary and she's Jewish. Great. So whatever, I don't know what they spoke about. After they spoke, the mom takes her daughter over to Avram Berkowitz. I know this guy, he's my age. He walked over to you and he told him, listen, that she came from Brooklyn and she fell in love with the nature in Alaska and she married a local Alaskan person and she doesn't think her daughter will ever see a rabbi again. Give her a message of Yiddishkeit. So he told her beautifully. He told her, he, he told her if she knows what Shabbos is. Yeah that women light candles for Shabbos, she heard about it. But then he told her, Gavaldik, he told her that there are different time zones in the world. So he says, imagine you're God and you're looking at your world and the first Shabbos candles are coming in. Where is that from? And she knew from New Zealand and then to Australia and they began to go through the, that this Bacha, new geography is the biggest mess. <laughs> that was the biggest Noah Chaps, not only the idea. And he went through, she, she, she was in, it was an active conversation. And then, Takahemis, the, the place where Shabbos comes in the last was from that Yehupit's place in Alaska. So he told this girl that Yiddishkeit is, is that God is looking at his world and he's watching his world get lit up. But there's one place in the world that, that Shabbos is not and he's waiting for you. When you light the candles, you completed the whole world. Yechab, that's the chab. In other words, that God is going to get his candles in one place, that's beautiful. But this is much more beautiful. That means no matter where you're at, God is getting his candle. And the same thing in place, the same thing in Zman. And the way God legislated that is by hacking. You got a daven to me every day that time. By default, that's the goal. And that's the goal in everything in life. We're parents, we have to be parents every day. We are children, we have parents. We have to be good children every day. Doesn't mean to be a good uh, child when we are feeling the love from the parent. It's easy, shkoyach. No, you gotta be, you gotta do, we gotta do what we need to do. Is it difficult? Of course, that's the tension. But at least to understand the structure. We're not being forced. Adarab, we are, we are being given the opportunity to have a lot more diversity from where we're coming from. I need to know where I am. Some days I'm close, some days I'm far. And when I'm close, there's the beauty of close. There's nothing like Yerushalayim, 100%. There's nothing like it. You go to the Koisel, Shavuos night, people are up, and you have who knows how many tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people coming to the Koisel, men, women, and children, different languages. You mamash see Kibbutz Goliath which is amazing, because you're seeing the connection. The connection is there. But the, the, the goals that we're still in is we see where we're coming from. So you go down on the street and it's dirty and there's crying. Adarabah, LA became much better now, because now it became a darker place from that perspective. And it's such a vilda, if you want to look at it that way, the silver lining, it's like, it's like it went down. So what's the upside of that? We're connecting the down that a yid goes into a shul on the dirty street where there's people out there 10 feet away they're making choices to kill to rob and you're making a choice to turn to God 
and you're talking not so inspired because look, look, but that 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 connection is so much more beautiful, and God gets it all because God deserves it all. Question is, where do we fit in? Where do we fit in? Wherever Hashgacha Pratzis put me. That's generally where I fit in. Having said all that, if you want to go to Eretz Yisrael with the biggest bracha, it would be beautiful. And you should have a lot of parnasa there, v'chuli, all of that's uh, somehow the challenge that many people that I know have, and younger people, that they can't manage to make a living there. But, uh, which is also meaningful. I mean, the whole idea of making a living is a smart way for God to make our lives meaningful. Meaningful means that we're here for a purpose. The purpose doesn't only have to be religious. We're here to service our fellow men. Most people make a living because whatever they're doing is servicing their fellow men. And the richer they are is because they're, they're, they're providing, they're servicing more people. So they deserve to be richer. That's, it's a beautiful system. Because I'm meant to be in service also of my fellow men. Most people get paid for services that they do. If you're going to figure out a thing that your idea will be servicing millions of people, you should like to make millions of dollars. The guy that invented Uber, good for him or her, whoever it was, because they are helping more people. Or, if, you know, whatever you're doing. And if you're not servicing people, you're going to be hungry. That's God telling you, hello, I don't just need you to talk to me, I need you to help someone else. There's a system in place. It works. We have to go with the flow over here. So if a person doesn't have parnasa halachically, they can live with chutzlaretz. Because it means God wants them there. The way God gets people to live where they are, a lot of it has to do when you're younger with parnasa. Sometimes with health, God forbid. Sometimes people push and move because that's where they have the right medical care. Mama, see, you see that certain things, that is God telling a person you have to move. Or the opposite, sometimes people don't move. The, Rebbe, the Rebbe's parents did not move, did not move because they had a child that, that needed medical attention in Yekaterin Islam. They had a child that was institutionalized. And, and, and they knew their life is in danger, but they did not want to abandon their child. The end was tragic. The end was is that I believe he got arrested. He was sent in jail. He died young. Ultimately, when the Nazis the Nazis got hold of the Rebbe's brother and they murdered him because he wasn't mentally well, and that was their system. They found such people to be lesser people, so they killed them. The opposite of Ayid does everything to extend life. They they if you're not the, the way they think you're like that idea, you have to be perfect. No, we don't have to be perfect. We would like to be perfect. We have to know who we are and go to God from there. That's the beauty of life. God said, means don't say I'm only moving on Tuesday. No, move on Monday. Find the beauty on Monday. Find the beauty. Don't move on Shabbos because that's already Yehilcha Shabbos. In practice, do whatever you need to do. Al-Tikabala, we're being taught the energy of every time. Both come together. Yeah, today is a difficult day. But if I'm allowed to move, I'm going to move. I'm moving from difficulty. I'm moving from joy. I'm moving from happiness. I'm moving from sadness. Then you'll live life. Then you'll live life. If you're only going to be living in the light, then you're missing half of your life. Then you're missing half of your life. If you're only going to daven when you are inspired, you're missing half of your davening. So what about women? Sometimes they don't have time. That's okay. They still want to do the shakra. And it's not within the four hours. Well, I'll tell you something. I know I'm being recorded. That I'll be Your moidani is enough to fulfill the mitzvah. I'm being recorded. Oh, you want, you want I'm not saying you should only do Moida'ani. I want you to know that when you wake up in the morning and you say, Moida'ani lefanecha melechai vekayim, I did not make this up. The reason why for many years, for hundreds of years, women, from a woman, were not making the effort that many are making nowadays to daven shmoina esrei shachres is because by the letter of the law, you fulfill davening with Moida'ani. And everyone can say Moida'ani. Everyone can say Moida'ani, even if the kids are shouting. 
So is it okay to pray past the four hours? It's better to daven chakras before midday, when you word it like this, to close this. And if it's already 30 minutes after halachic midday, then daven mincha. That will be the best thing. Daven either shmona esrei in the first half of the day, even better before the fourth. We're finding in halach a maneuvering area. But just this concept that I have to speak to God from my heart at that time is a setup that God is telling me He doesn't want to hear from me only when I'm good. He doesn't want to hear from me only when I'm good. Then He would tell me, Davin, when you feel like it. God, Davke wants to hear from me in every place that I'm at. Not geographically. In, in, in where we're smarter, we're older. Bisman, every day we're in another, another place. Every day you are in another place. I heard that. I can say like this that, that, that most of the Hasidic Rebbes I don't know how to explain this they don't need that okay so that's on me they were they did not um, live in the type of time that we're living in and that manifested a lot in the times of their prayer even the Rebbe that never showed off his Rebbe never he was so hidden he only showed himself to be a happy, good, religious Jew. You didn't see tzaddik. He hid the tzaddik in him whenever he went to the oil of his father-in-law. Only then. But he would go to the oil or fabrengens. Remember, he would fabreng Shabbos. It's crazy. Shabbos winter. Shabbos would be out in New York like 5 o'clock. The fabrengen can go to 7. doesn't matter how long it went. At the end of the fabrengen, minchem, kriya Or when the Rebbe came back from the oil. Whenever he came back from the oil... Sometimes I think I was almost midnight. Other Rebbes, there was a Rebbe here in LA, the Rimnitz Rebbe, I never met him. You know him? The Rimnitz, he lived, there was a big tzaddik that lived there. He would be in different time zones always. When the Rebbe got a heart attack in 1977, he took off his begotten of Shabbos, he put on the weekday garments, he davened weekday davenings. Epist two days later, they told him that things are looking good. This is a tzaddikim. He put on the yomt of garments and he had, two, had 48 hours of simchas Halachically, I don't know how to explain this. The people that criticize Hasidim use this as a criticism because we are bound by halacha. But at least here in this class, I'm trying to explain we're bound by halacha. And we are acknowledging that you don't feel great every day and that's the whole point. So you're seeing beauty in Yerushalayim, which is emes, I think it's important to also see beauty that a bunch of Yidin are living here in LA and we're getting together at in the day at the, before 12 o'clock and everyone has stuff and not everyone is fully that and then there's a child this. That's, that's, that's the beauty. Where are we coming from? And God is getting nachas from that also and we should appreciate our role over here. doesn't matter where I'm at. I showed up. That makes the connection a lot more meaningful. Never look at the connection. Look at where the parties are coming from. Then you'll see the connection. Without the context, you miss the whole point. Oh. Yeah. Rabbi? Yes. I have a question.